Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, uh, twelve thirty-four. Edmonton, Bob Stoffer, Brendan Escott, with you. We will uh, get to uh, a quick clip on the Edmonton Elks as well. We'll probably get to that around twelve fifty because Brendan obviously worked the broadcast yesterday. I was uh, lucky enough to uh, be invited uh, uh, by somebody to the game yesterday, and myself and my family. So, still care a lot about uh, our product. We'll, we'll have some thoughts on that at twelve fifty. But at this time, uh, for legacy heating and cooling, whether it's heating or cooling, you need to get it with no payments and no interest for a year. That's how you build a legacy, legacy heating and cooling. Talk about uh, being, th- this guy's in the perfect spot on our uh, show today because he's in between <laughs> Wayne Gretzky and Matthias Eckholm. The we perfect welcome. spot would be actually on the phone line. Oh, no. Unfortunately, I haven't been able to wrangle him yet. Oh, oh well, he, he's, he's, he sent a text. Sorry, Brendan. I... Well, okay, well, since we have a second, then I'll get to it right now. Guests and orders now receive gift certificates to Roos Chris Steakhouse. It's the greatest steak you've ever had. Follow the sizzle to 9990 Jasper Avenue and tell Chris and Chef Eltaf that Oilers now sent you. Uh, open Tuesday through Sunday from 5 p.m. until close. Uh, how about he calls us since he reached out and guys. Must, is it possible he's in a cell drop? Maybe he's currently with Wayne Gretzky right now. I don't know. I was uh, probably not. Uh, can you call us? Thanks. This is, you know, and the problem is I'm not the greatest guy at doing this sort of stuff, Brendan, as you know. So uh, <laughs> let's see if uh, yeah, John is uh, currently in transit, but uh, we'll endeavor to uh, work on. He'll call right away here, I'm sure. Anyways, hey, uh, well. Speak of the devil. Speak of the devil. There you go. 1235 and Bob Stoffer and Brendan Escott with you on Oilers Now. Open up the show today with Wayne Gretzky. Still to come, John Shannon, Matthias Eckholm, as well as George LaRock uh, for Contract Equipment Limited. We welcome back to the show for Legacy Heating and Cooling, John Shannon. Hello, John. How you doing? Great, Bob. You? Good. You're in between the great one and Matthias Eckholm today. Holy smokes! I, I, does that mean uh, that I'm the uh, am I the goon or the playing or, you know the playmaking center? Well, I'm all, yeah, that's, Although that uh, 99 was a pretty good playmaking center. Yeah, he was. Since he's got more assists than anybody else has points, uh, he's pretty good. We're gonna actually. It's interesting. You know, one of the th- now. Are you able to watch TNT? Do you have like a pirate feed, or can you get it in in, in Toronto? Because I can't get it on the package that I have. Uh, I have the ability to watch TNT, yes. Okay. 
you're a broadcasting god, so that's why you can make that happen. It, like every time I'm down there, like it, that, it's a good panel, isn't it? They have fun. They, they do a good job, you know, and uh, they've added Henrik Lundqvist for the Stanley Cup final or for most of the third and fourth rounds, in fact. Yep. Uh, and they seem to have created a bit of chemistry that's uh, that, that's pretty good when you when you can book in any panel with Wayne Gretzky on the left and Henrik Lundqvist on the right. With the resumes that those two guys have, you're doing okay. Yeah. Uh, what did you think uh, at the end of the game, the, the play involving Alex Petrangelo, Matthew Kachuk, um, you know, Florida had the net empty. They had the extra player on the ice. Petrangelo was in the box. Uh, Florida clearly instigated whatever was going on in the ice, and then suddenly Petrangelo technically ended up engaged with Matthew Kachuk, who literally dragged him into it. By the letter of the law, John, uh, that is a 10-game suspension if you get involved in any post-game altercation when you come out of the penalty box. Now, I don't think in this scenario it should it should have been a penalty. Was He didn't get a penalty for it after the no. game, but by the letter of the law, he's supposed to get a 10-game suspension. That appeal is out there from some people. What do you think? Uh, well, the, the, the rule 70.4 is, is pretty cloudy on this one, Bob, because you're allowed to leave the penalty box at the end of a period yes, and at the end of the game. And you could argue that he was either going towards the celebration around Aiden Hill or yeah. he was going to the bench and then to be dragged in. So he, he, it, it, the first line of the rule says, with the exception of the end of the period and the end of the game, where you are allowed to leave the penalty box when the time expires. So th- that, to me, I think was enough. And then you're right. I, I think Florida uh, reverted back to what got them in trouble in games one and two in, in that scenario. didn't really affect anything because it's, you know, it's the end of the game and you're not going to have to serve a, pe- a power play or a, a penalty kill. Uh, so from that perspective, I just think uh, play on and see what happens tomorrow night. John, uh, Wayne, one of the things Wayne said right off the start of the interview, Edmonton's right there. I mean, they, Ryan Whitney on Spit and Chicklets this week, which has got a massive following in terms of sports podcasts out there, uh, you know, he basically said Edmonton gave Vegas their best series. The Oilers beat Vegas 5-1 and 4-1 in their two wins. Outshot Vegas 75-53 in the final two games of the series and lost 4-3 and 5-2 with Aiden Hill stopping 38 out of 40 shots in game number six. Um, is Edmonton right there? Wayne thinks they're right there. Obviously, I, I, I mean, I mean, I, I, listen, I know Ryan is a diehard Oiler fan now and has become quite a supporter and it's difficult to uh, contradict what Wayne says I, I think that there's still some some tweaks to be made um, you know I mean let's face it the center of the universe for the Vegas Golden Knights are those six big defensemen and do the Oilers have a defensive core as competent and big and trustworthy as you know Petrangelo Martinez McNabb Theodore uh, and uh, White Cloud and and uh, oh now it's escaped me with that other oh and and Haig. right you know you know that that is such a dominating blue line it changes the whole personality of of everything um, and and I think that that's the one place and I think Oilers fans would agree that's the one place um, that I think that there needs to still be some tweaks here and there. 
Yeah, well, and no, 100%. And it, it's been interesting. I mean, there's some things that have gone on. Full marks to Vegas. Uh, the reality is, um, you know, they won the series in six games. You can make a strong argument. Edmonton gave them. Do you think the Oilers have given them the toughest series so far? If they win this game, if Vegas wins tomorrow night game five at home, wins the Cup in five. So they've beaten the Jets in five, beat Edmonton in six, beat Dallas in six, but... They didn't get routed in any of those games, and the Oilers took it to Vegas in a couple. Uh, beat Florida in five. Does is Edmonton the team that's given them the toughest series? Well, I think you know certainly when you start to take penalties against the Edmonton Oilers, and that that power play can kill you. That's exactly what happened. And as soon as the Golden Knights started to maintain their cool in certain scenarios and and took the hits and didn't retaliate, that changed the whole. Uh, atmosphere around the six game series so I, I, I do think Edmonton were probably the most important lessons they learned all this whole playoff yeah. that to me is a big part of why, of why the Golden Knights are are really I mean on the verge of a championship Here, here's the interesting thing for, about Vegas right now Bob I mean pick the Conn Smythe Trophy winner yeah, they're, they're and I would, I, they're I would challenge you what's that? They got the deepest team. Oh, I would I would challenge you that that that, that you can't. You know, I mean, right now I'm leaning to Jonathan Marshall, so but but if Aiden Hill makes another save like he did the in the, in the game four, <laughs> maybe it's Aiden Hill. And and by by the last two seconds of regulation to make the save, uh, the votes are already in, so it's it, it's going to be difficult. I, there there are three or four guys on that squad that you could say. He's the MVP of the of, of the playoffs. Nobody could argue with you. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, you just just talking about penalties. I mean, Vegas had seven power plays in game number five against Edmonton. Edmonton had four, but did have the five-minute major. The Oilers finished that game three for four on the power play, and then Vegas ended up with more power plays in game number six, and here's where Cam Sharon's stats come in. The teams with the better power plays tend to get fewer calls in games five, six, and seven in series, and he went back nine years on his study on that. That was uh, quite amount of detail. I think we all know Vegas was the better five-on-five team, and I know this that I know enough about Jay Woodcroft to know that he is going to, you know, relentlessly look at ways to improve Edmonton's defensive coverage five on five. Speaking of the Oilers, you have your sources in that uh, in that in, in the Oilers organization. How challenging is it? Frustrating, disappointing, or conversely, is it an opportunity? Uh, to look at what's happened here, losing to Colorado last year, the eventual Stanley Cup champ. I mean, Florida would be remarkable if they came back. They could come back, but it would be remarkable. So on that note, knowing how close the organization's been the last two years, what do you think they're thinking in Oilers HQ these days? about Have they moved on from it now, and now it's about getting ready for next year? Oh, I think so. Particularly when you end up with a, a senior group of people in Buffalo at the Combine. I think that that's an important aspect to to think that you know it's it's the season's over and now we're going to begin the new one. Uh, so from from that perspective, uh, it's, it's pointing towards who they're going to draft, how many guys they can draft. Is there is it worth it to try to make a trade to to improve your draft position? Look at free agency and try to figure out exactly what's important for the club going into next year. They know exactly what they need to do. They know exactly where things need to improve. And I suspect that in the next three weeks, we'll see a little bit of movement to try to improve the hockey club. Because I think you're right. They are close. 
and you know how many tweaks does it really take and you still have to find a way to take advantage of of the greatest players in the game on any team in their prime Wayne's saying today that he thinks, you know, Connor's got another 10 or 12 good years left in him. We might see him as the greatest player ever by the time he's done. That was a pretty. Ing- Wayne's a very humble guy, isn't he? Uh, he you know, there's, there is no one in the game uh, at any level that has played the game that has the sense of hockey like Wayne Gretzky. It, it, it truly is amazing, and, and a, a lot of it is the ability to think through quickly and then use common sense. Uh, but he's a, you know, he's a calming voice uh, in so many ways. And, and you know, I, I, I hearken back to uh, being around Wayne at Gordy House funeral, and he, he, we sat together and we talked about what Wayne's role was going to be now because so much of what Gordy meant to the game was just his presence. Well, Wayne has started to take that role and understands that role, and his presence in the game is important. And and he knows that, uh, but he doesn't abuse it. John, great stuff. We'll talk on Thursday, okay? All right, Bob. Bye. Bye-bye. That is John Shannon joining us for Legacy Heating and Cooling. So we've had Wayne Gretzky and John Shannon in the first hour. Second hour of the show, Matthias Atcom, Oilers defenseman, along with George LaRock, Edmonton sporting icon. Bob Stoffer, Brendan S. Scott with you. We'll take a timeout. When we come back, we're going to get to some of your texts on the Ashley Fine Flores text line uh, and some thoughts on uh, the Elks because I'm actually I'm getting guys – texting me that uh, guys I know why haven't you said anything yet about what happened yesterday well I got the right guy to do it because Brendan does the pre and post game show as well so we'll, we'll have some thoughts on that Bob Stopper, Brendan Escott joining you in Oilers now Special shout out to the folks at uh, James H. Brown, Injury Lawyers, Jim Brown, Trent Brown, of course, a two-time CFL All-Star winner of a great cup with the then-named Edmonton S. back in 1993. They were kind enough to uh, invite uh, yours truly and the family out to the Elks game yesterday. Brendan, it was great because there there were about six or seven uh, celebrities uh, in our our suite, uh, including Cecily was there so that was great and uh, Evander Kane um, was was around we, we had the uh, commissioner come in uh, Victor Cooey uh, Craig Ellis is uh, a real interesting guy uh, Willie Pless as well swung by so Trent uh, Brown and Jim Brown uh, big supporters of the Edmonton Oilers the Edmonton Elks and the University of Alberta Golden Bears and I think everybody knows my feelings I'm still sort of in shock that the guy's not on the U of A Sports Wall of Fame given the fact he's the best player they had over the last 40 years um that speaking of the game, uh, you were working it pre and post. Um, I went out with uh, Michael Ball, who does the play-by-play for the Riders, and we talked a bit about the trajectory of Chris Jones-run organizations, uh, the fact that, uh, uh, for a lack of a better term, he makes significant change, usually the first year when he's GM head coach. Find some players. Uh, they tend to improve on defense and special teams fairly quickly. And then it's a question of, uh, you know, getting a- a- enough offense. How frustrating of a game, Brendan, do you think uh, yesterday was for the Edmonton Elks? 
Well, it, it's a game in which their defense completely held them in it for the, the game. Uh, it was a good first half, I think, by Edmonton. They had they struggled out of the gate and then were able to piece a little bit together. Um, big play to Geno Lewis that if there was a roof at Commonwealth, it sure. would have been blown off. Okay, And that's something that there hasn't been a lot of in the last few seasons there. So that was really nice to see. But y- y- you look at a team that still obviously has some maturing and some growing to do, and they're, they got a hammer down the details. You got to get angry. You got to want, uh, and we've seen this in the NHL as well. Like sometimes you have to to hate to lose more than you love to win. And it looked to me like when you had three cracks at the one yard line yeah. to get that ball into the end zone, that those guys didn't want it bad enough. It's week one. There's a long, long, long season left. But it was a game that because they only lost by four points, seventeen thirteen, the final on home field. That streak could have been snapped. Instead, the storyline continues, and uh, it, it's you know it's not a, a big black rain cloud, but the, the clouds are forming again. There, there was a game there for the Elks to go out there and win. Um, you know, I'm an old knothole gang kid myself from the, the '70s, and uh, the conversations I used to have with Rick Lalasher and Danny Machocha back in the mid 2000s, long before I started doing the Oilers broadcasts, about the direction that the Eskimos at that time were going to go and the importance of placing emphasis on uh, Canadians, uh, the, the CFL draft, because for years the Eskimos basically outbid the Saskatchewan and Hamiltons of the world on their free agents. They almost used those organizations as farm teams to develop the players and then once we went to a salary management system that took away the financial advantage Edmonton had, I will never understand why they put a cap on research on development in terms of on GM and coaching. That is, you know what, if, you're, if your market can support, there were 33,000 fans at yesterday's game, and, and make no mistake, Riders fans, and there's a lot of them, they played a big factor mm-hmm. in that because people from Saskatchewan are, are great. They love their team, and so they should. Um but bottom line is, you know, it's this isn't going to get turned around overnight. Uh, you know, the coach getting questioned after the game on the third, you know, the, the the short yardage play when you lose and you switch quarterbacks, th- that's going to happen. It's kind of like Jay Woodcroft getting second guessed about should you have gone with Jack Campbell in maybe uh, you know game six, uh, yeah, game six of the series. It's understandable when you don't win the game that some sometimes those questions get asked. And unfortunately, what's the home losing streak at right now? 18. Yeah, for me, this is really a new team. It's not really, but it's still a storyline that can't get ignored. So it comes with the territory. It looks to me, and I'm not around it day to day like Morley and Dave are, or you are, but it looks to me like they have better players on defense and better options on the special teams. And it does, you know, you, we, were, we were spoiled here at Edmonton. I remember listening to Brian Hall in 1970, I think it was eight. And was that the year that uh, Warren Moon came in out of Washington where he played for Don James, who, by the way, Don James has a great of coaching tree as there is in NCAA college football history. Nick Saban at one time was on a Don James staff. So big time... Uh, Back in the day, but I remember when Warren Moon came in. You think you know the orders had Tom Wilkinson, one of the greatest people you'll ever meet, Bruce Limmerman, Warren Moon, right? And then they brought Warren along, and then Dunnigan came in, and then the Eskimos had Dunnigan, Damon Allen, 
and Tracy Ham at quarterback. The organization had us even even when did they win their last Grey Cup? What year was that? Twenty fifteen. They're the best quarterback in the league, didn't they? Arguably, and Mike Riley. Mike that, Riley, absolutely. I mean, they they had ballers all over the place on defense that year. A lot of that was Chris Jones. Like they had guys make playmakers. Like Brandon, I was spoiled watching those teams like in the seventies and eighties. I mean, at that time, the Edmonton Eskimos in the seventies and early eighties were on par with the Edmonton Oilers. They were until the Oilers joined the NHL. They were a bigger deal than the Oilers, and then the Oilers took off from you know eighty three until. <laughs> really until 92, where they were seemingly in the conference final almost every year. So, interesting. So, are you still... Do you think they got a better team? You're down there every day. Do they got a better team? Yeah, I, I think personnel-wise, I, I am encouraged by who they have. The uh, the defensive contributors last year, like Niles Morgan, who was an absolute menace from the linebacker position. When he was healthy last year, uh, he proved like he's going to be exactly that again. You mentioned the, the better special teams. That was evident not only in the coverage, but uh, the kicking game looked improved, punting especially with Jake Julian there. So, uh, some reason for optimism, though I, I, I have to admit some of the preseason wind has been taken out of my sails in terms of uh, you know some of the disappointing elements of that loss. Yeah, well, we'll, we'll, we'll see it now. Where are they this week coming up? They are in BC for the Lions home opener, which is expected to be another huge crowd down there at BC Place. Five o'clock kickoff Saturday on 6.30, Jed. All right. Randy, Texas on the Ashley Fine Floors text line at 12.57. We've had Wayne Gretzky and John Shannon on the show in the first hour. Matthias Eckholm coming up at about 1.05 today from the Edmonton Oilers. George LaRock at 1.35. Randy, Texas, about John Shannon. He says, Bob, Vegas never stopped retaliating and breaking the rules, John Shannon. They just stopped getting called for it because Vegas is Gary's favorite and point to the high stick on the Ekholm uh, non-call in game six where he got uh, carved open. So here's the deal. Bill Foley paid a lot of money for an expansion team and Vegas hit the home run and Florida added Vegas two top six players in Marsha Show and Riley Smith in the expansion draft. But Vegas did a great job. They've been a well-run organization. Four times they've been in the conference final. The year after they went to the final, they got screwed. They had one of the worst calls in NHL playoff history go against them. That provided the San Jose Sharks with an opportunity to rally in Game 7 and knock them out. And that was the Joe Pavelski call, and the league admitted their mistake. Now, I would suggest to you that this has been a year where the hockey gods have smiled upon Vegas. Uh, Dom Lucician wrote the piece in the PDO, the combined save percentage, shot percentage. And, uh, and yeah, if you watch a lot of their games, it appears as though they seem to get a lot of calls or rulings. It, it, that just sometimes happens. I don't think there's a purposeful uh, maneuvering taking place. I, I just don't believe that actually happens. But have the gods smiled upon them? They have this year. Off to a global news weather traffic update with Randy Kilburn. Back with Matthias Eckholm of the Edmonton Oilers when we return.